Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of We Are Milton, a podcast brought to you by the city of Milton. The goal of the podcast is to provide information about all things related to Milton, Wisconsin. I'm Inga Cushman, Administrative Services Director for the City of Milton, and with me today is Police Chief Scott Marquardt. Good afternoon. I almost said good morning. Good afternoon. <laughs> um, Scott is actually, um, he just celebrated his five-year anniversary with the city recently, right? Yeah, it's gone by in a blink, but yeah, five years already. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're happy that in 2015 you decided to join our department. Happy I'm here. So Scott is with us today because we are going to talk about the police department working on their Wiley Egg reaccreditation. So I think our first question is, what is Wiley Egg? Yeah, so the accreditation process isn't new to law enforcement. Um, we've been talking about accreditation going back probably to the early 80s. There was a national group um, called CALEA, which is the commission commission something on law enforcement accreditation. Um, and, and what they did is develop kind of a set of best practices and standards that people who wanted to be accredited had to abide by. Well, those weren't really designed for smaller agencies. They were, they were more for the bigger agencies, a lot of standards. And so what some states decided to do is they, states were interested in accreditation as well, but wanted another option. And so Wisconsin was one of those states and developed a state-specific accreditation group um, called the Wisconsin Law Enforcement Accreditation Group. That's where Wiley Egg comes from. So in 1996, they developed a set of standards um, and have been operating ever since. Uh, now in 2020, we're up to uh, 42 agencies who do what's called full accreditation, which is about 200 separate standards. And then there's an additional 20 agencies-ish in the state that do what's called core accreditation. And what core accreditation is, it's for the smaller police agencies, typically 10,000 population or less. And it's, it's not the 200 plus standards, it is focused more on the top 50. So okay. the policies that are required by the state of Wisconsin, the best practices on kind of the high, high incident liability things like use of force and pursuit policies and things like that. When, when the city of Milton started the accreditation process, our first accreditation was in 2014 before my arrival here. At that point, core accreditation wasn't even a possibility. So we went through full accreditation with the 200 plus standards. We got reaccredited in our very first review. We're reviewed every three years to make sure that we're still complying. And our first review was in 2017. And in that intervening time is when they came up with core. And there, there has been um, cities much larger than us all over the state who are doing core accreditation. Um, I, th I think in my review of the accredited agencies, the city of Evansville Police Department and our police department are the smallest police departments in the state that are doing full accreditation. So it, it can be a lot of work, uh, but most of the setup work you know, was done in prior years. And we've decided here that we're not going to 
take a step back into core accreditation, we're gonna keep doing the full accreditation. And so that every three year cycle means 2020 is coming up and uh, the October 7th, 8th and 9th is when we're going to have people who are with the Wiley Egg program who are trained as assessors and those three, a team leader and two assessors will come to the police department for those three days and review practically everything that we do. They look at our policies, they look at our procedures, they look at what are our operations look like, they look at sworn and non-sworn operations, they check out the 911 center, they ride along with officers, uh, they also take public comment, which is something that, that we'll talk about in a minute. So their goal is to collect as much information as possible to assess how we operated over the last three years. Mm -hmm. And so each one of those standards that are in the accreditation standards, we have to create what's called proofs for those standards. So not only do we have to have a policy that says what the standard requires, we also have to show, hey, we followed that policy every single year over the last three years. So there's a lot of documentation to review, uh, but it, it, it really puts us in a good position that we really are following the very best practices according to the state of Wisconsin and, and national standards as well on how policing is conducted. And there's you know, a lot of talk right now about police reform. And one of the things in those reform talks is specifically having use of force policies reviewed by an accreditation organization we might get to the point that accreditation becomes even more popular, if not mandatory down the road though, because mm -hmm. it, I think it, in, in, in my biased opinion, I think it helps us show the public that we aren't just winging it. Um, we're, there are very strict standards that we abide by and live by every day. Yeah, and those, those policies that you referenced, we are starting to put some of those on our website as well. And we can provide a link in the description for, of this podcast so people can access that as well, um, just to provide more information to the community members. Absolutely. One of, the, one of those policies that we put up there is our body-worn camera policy. And that is actually mandated by state law the state of Wisconsin legislature passed a law that talks about management of body cams and body cam footage. And one of the requirements of that law is that we publish a policy. If we, if we have body cameras and we have a policy on body cameras, we must publish and make available to the public what that policy is. So we've now put that up on the website. And as you can imagine with the events that have happened over the spring and summer there has been a great deal of attention on use of force policies in fact i had some active community members reach out to me and and they were curious where where do our use of force policies sit um, in the city of milton compared with others and you know how would we handle situations were they to happen here went through quite an extensive review of our use of force policy, made some improvements, made some adjustments, found that our policies were really, really good. Again, because we're an accredited agency, we follow state law, uh, we have all of these things that, that are required of us that we've abided by, but maybe people don't know that. And so 
a lot of police departments, and now ours included, we've made the decision that we're going to publish our use of force policy. So that if people have questions about, can we shoot at a moving car or do we allow chokeholds, our policy is right there and mm -hmm. is an immediate reference for anybody that's curious about how we're doing those things. I imagine we'll throw other policies up there as well. And um, one of the things that I have found in my research to tie this back to accreditation, people are publishing the accreditation standards. The Wiley Egg accreditation standards are now in a fifth edition. Um, so there's been changes and revisions through the years. And I'm considering throwing that up on the same webpage. So mm -hmm. when somebody says, so you're getting accredited, well, what do you actually have to abide by? They can have that document and understand all of the things that are in it that that we have to work on. Yeah. So I think we covered why Wiley Egg accreditation is important, but is there anything else related to that topic that you think the public should know? Uh, I think that about covers it. I think yeah. it, I, I want, I don't want to get too philosophical, but policing, policing can't be done without consent of the population that you're policing. And, uh, you know, and that's, again, part of the big conversation that's happening in this country. As part of that, there has to be trust between the policing agency and the population it polices. This is a way to help establish that trust. When, when the public knows that, that the things that we put out in work product and in our policy and procedures are reviewed by a completely independent body that comes in and takes a look and asks us to make changes when, when we aren't quite reaching a, a standard, I think that helps build that trust. And that's something that I'm sure will continue for a long time here. Yeah. So let's take a minute to talk about that public comment process related to accreditation. So within the next week or so, uh, we'll be sending out a news release that we'll publish to all of our standard news release places, uh, like, you know, um, website and social media, and um, I'm sure others will share it as well, that we'll talk about in a little less detail what I just spoke about, how the accreditation process will work in October. And as part of that, as part of that information collection process by the assessors, they want to hear from the public too. And so they always provide a, a time and a listening session where people can provide public feedback about how we work here and um, how, what their, the public's opinion is of our police department. So there will be uh, a set day and time where the assessors will take public comment. We're doing it by phone this year. The last time we had an in-person uh, public hearing session in addition to phone, uh, 2020 is a little different. And so we're not gonna have people in the same room but it is gonna be a phone-in sort of opportunity that if people do wanna provide input to the assessors about how we've done over the last three years, they're gonna be able to do that. And that date and time is not set yet, correct? It is not. Okay. No, that is, that, that's some of the work that we're doing yet this week as we ramp up to that. Okay. So one other question I had was between the reviews for the reaccreditation, what does the police department do to keep policies up to date to best practices? Some of it, again, like I mentioned before, some of it's driven by state statute. Mm -hmm. So if there's a change in a statute, you know, obviously we're, our eyes are watching those kinds of changes pretty closely. So 
Um, typically, you know, we'll have training by some of the, the, the um, premier trainers in the state, attorneys, and, and people who provide this information and help us interpret a new law like the body camera law that got passed in the legislature. And then say, hey, you need to now put these things in your policy and you need to post them to the website. Interestingly enough, because of the addition cycle, that's a mandatory policy, but is one of those mandatory policies that is not yet an accreditation standard. Oh. It's going to be because it's state mandated. Um, but that's you know just one of the quirks of how the the how the revision cycle goes. Mm -hmm. So even if it's not in state statute, again, I mentioned our use of force policy earlier. That's something that we keep a very close eye on. What's, what, are the, what are the national things that are happening that we need to make sure that we're doing the right thing on? And so that's a lens that we often review our policies by, that mm -hmm. when something happens that is just kind of weird that doesn't happen very often, we'll ask ourselves, what does our policy say about that? Because maybe it's something we haven't touched in a really long time. The other thing is, as part of the accreditation standards, they require a policy review that every policy, and I have pushing 100 of them, every single policy needs to be reviewed within the accreditation cycle. So that means every three years, no matter if you did anything with it or not, it has to be looked at, and then we document when that review happened on the actual policy. Mm -hmm. So regardless of anything else, it is still an accreditation standard that we have to look at that policy every three years. Okay. Those are the big drivers, I think, you know, changes in law, changes in practice, mm -hmm. and then that, that, that standard review that we have to do as well. Yeah. And then when a policy is updated, if there's anything substantial or even just minor, um, how do you communicate that to the rest of the police officers? Every new policy, when it's finished, finished with the review process, we push it out to all the officers, and, and it's a process that they're used to now. They know mm -hmm. that that policy review is something that must happen, and they receive a new one. We have a sign-off sheet where they acknowledge, yep, I got it, and we'll abide by it. Um, sometimes with the, oh, how do I want to say it? With the higher stakes ones, we also do a quiz, and, okay. and we... It's, it's a way to generate conversation so that we're talking about it and not just saying we read it. We're talking about the policy. We're looking at some of those questions that are really important for us to remember. And then we document that the officers completed the quiz. And, and you know, we're not trying to trip anybody up or anything, but we, we want to be able to show that, yeah, our folks really do understand that policy. You know, one of the one of the annual things that we have to do by state statute is we have to do training and strip searches. I don't remember a time in my career where I ever performed a strip search, but there have been situations that have occurred in the state that drove the legislature to say, we can't keep doing this. We must establish a state law that mandates this. Mm -hmm. So we do strip search training every year. And that is always a policy review with a quiz. It's, it's just a really great, great way that we can get that information in front of our officers and show as part of the accreditation process, because that's one of our standards, 
that this is the training that we do. Good. Well, thank you, Scott. Is there anything else that you want our community members to know about the accreditation process or anything else related to the police department at this time? I don't think so. Um, again, you know, don't, don't wait for the public information session to, to provide feedback. You can do that anytime over a three-year cycle. I don't mm -hmm. care what day it is. Give me a call. Um, that's something that I'm, that I'm really passionate about is establishing relationships in this community and think um, and hope I've done a pretty good job of that over the last five years, but want to continue that. Because again, we can't police without the trust of the people in the city of Milton. And we help build that trust by keeping lines of communication open. I keep, hope we keep doing that. Yeah, you did mention that there were a few community members who did contact you fairly recently with some questions. So we definitely encourage yeah. our community members to take their lead and do that as well. And it went very well. You know, the, the, they didn't know what we did. And it gave me an opportunity to show them that, yeah, I did have to make some tweaks and adjustments because those tweaks made me feel better. But overall, the community members were very happy with how our policy looked and, and the things that we abide by. So um, I think that's important. And I'm, I'm glad that people are able to reach out like that. Yeah. Well, thanks for joining us today, Scott. Yeah. Do you have any suggestions for some future podcast topics? Oh, I'm sure putting can, you on the spot. <laughs> we can delve into one of these policies and start picking them apart or something. Um, you know, that's a possibility. I think we always do an annual Halloween one, so I suppose that one's coming up too. Um, well, we'll we'll see what Halloween looks like this year. But <laughs> the, the Halloween of COVID, yeah, we'll see what, what happens. <laughs> And um, just a note on that, we have received a, a few um, questions about trick-or-treating in Milton and what that's going to look like. And um, no official decision has been made yet, and we will be updating our community on um, trick-or-treat um, plans as, as they're made through our website and social media. And we'll try and put something in the Milton Courier as well. So... Thanks, everyone, for listening to this episode of We Are Milton. Our podcast is available on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Facebook, and we also post a video version on our YouTube channel as well. So, until next time, we are Milton. <laughs>